I'm curious if you know what kind of animal that was, or if you have a guess. If you don't know, you're about to find out very shortly, as it was one of the many sounds we heard on the adventure that we are bringing to your ears today. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm Traveling Jackie, founder and host of both this show and of Jump Adventures, where I invite you to set the headphones down and join us offline in person for active adventures in epic destinations around the world. You can learn more, find out where we're going next, and join us at jumpadventures.com. And you can come say hi on Instagram at jump.adventures or find me personally at Traveling Jackie. Today, I will be joined by Anthony LaRubio, who is the founder of Recal Travel, and Matt Mickelson from Quiet Parks International. We are going to do our best to whisk you away from your desk, your chores, (laughs) your work, you've been warned, or wherever you may be to find the quiet with us as we relive an experience we had in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness of Minnesota. And if you've never heard of the Boundary Waters before, we'll explain what it is besides absolutely amazing. I'm sure some of you have been there or heard of it. And let me tell you now, if it is already on your radar as somewhere you'd like to go, oh my goodness, you must make it happen. (laughs) It has been on my radar for many, many years now, and I am so glad that I said yes to this trip. And I'll tell you more about why I said yes as we get into this episode, but The Boundary Waters itself is such a unique, beautiful place. If you have not heard of it before, my guess is it's going to be on your list by the time you're done listening to this episode. Imagine right now just being on a quiet lake in a canoe with friends and the only thing you see for miles and miles as you paddle and portage between lakes are trees, birds, fish, sun sparkles on the water, blue skies, and happy clouds. (laughs) We had absolutely perfect weather when we were there. I know we got lucky, but this was my real experience. The only other people we saw were groups of people camping, canoeing, portaging, nothing else. No buildings, no engines, no motors. It was pure wilderness. So I'm excited to take you back with us today so we can share with you what we discovered there. But let me start by saying why this trip was important to me and why I did it, because that is the whole point of this intentional travel series that we are in. I mentioned that the Boundary Waters had been on my radar for quite a long time, but it's not a place you can just enter without a plan. It takes a lot of prep equipment, not to mention permits, et cetera. So I had no idea how or when I would actually make it out there. I also, sometime in 2021, I decided that I would make a goal to take myself on a retreat once a year for my own benefit, not a trip that I'm leading, not a retreat that I'm facilitating, but one that I can actually attend as a guest that holds some element of challenge and interest to me so that I can have a chance to expose myself to a new adventure and personal growth as an attendee of a group trip, which of course is what I ask of so many of you when you come on a group trip with me. So I want to make sure I'm also practicing what it feels like uh, to be an attendee instead of a leader. So that's what this trip was for me, not just an opportunity to go somewhere I've been wanting to go for ages, but also a chance to fulfill my personal goal of attending a retreat for me. Anthony is going to explain what Recal is and why they chose the Boundary Waters for this particular retreat. And we're going to talk about the nature of the retreat and all of our intentions going into it 
what we actually did to sort of paint the picture for you of what it looks like to be out in the Boundary Waters. Um, we'll share some of the special moments that we experienced, both individually and collectively, and we'll share what ultimately we took away from this retreat, which gets personal and vulnerable, and I'm sure a lot of you will be able to relate. And we have a pretty special and unique bonus for you at the very end that might just make your day. So I invite you to listen all the way through. And the icing on the cake here is that this trip is an experience that you can also attend. So if you like what you hear, definitely check out recaltravel.com to find out more. That's in the show notes. So don't worry about taking notes. Let us just take you away with us. Here we go. All right. We're on with Matt and Anthony. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join me today and be here and chat about this amazing experience that we just had. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So I just briefly explained what you two are doing on this episode with me, but I'd like to give you each an opportunity to introduce yourselves and tell us just what you do and maybe why, why you're doing what you do. So Matt, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, record sounds for a living and work to protect fragile soundscapes, we'll call them. Um, the idea being that there's like nowhere left on planet earth. We can listen to nature without noise pollution. Um, and that's, you know, an important, like the soundscape is an important resource, uh, not only for humans to enjoy and feel like they're having a true wilderness experience, but also for animals and birds and uh, creatures of the sea, all these things need sound to communicate. Uh, noise pollution is pretty harmful uh, to all living beings. Um, so yeah, I work with Quiet Parks International to try and recognize these places and uh, protect them. Um, and that's uh, kind of the the short answer of, of why I'm here and um, how I got connected with Anthony. So wait, a real quick, Matt, you also have recorded some sounds that we may or may not have already heard before, right? Oh, yes. So like a big part of my job is, you know, like I sell these crazy rare soundscapes to people. Um, so oftentimes I'll be like watching a movie and I'll be like, that's definitely my sound because I sell <laughs> the, like sound library packs. So yeah, I'll be like watching a TV show or a movie. I'm like, yep, that, that, that's my bird sound for sure. Oh, that's so <laughs> um, cool. And on the iPhone, right? Uh, well, I mean, technically I can't say for certain whether or not my sounds are on mm-hmm. the iPhone, but I have a hunch. <laughs> wink, wink. Also the loon that you heard at the beginning of this podcast is Matt's. I don't own the loon though. The loon is its own being. <laughs> the loon is not Matt. The sound recording, the recording. However, <laughs> I was I was able to witness and I was lucky enough to record that beautiful, beautiful loon on uh, a lake just south of the Boundary Waters. Which does not have any reverb applied to it. That is pure Yeah, it's a dry, nature. dry, unedited recording. Mm-hmm. Mm. Super cool. And we heard that a lot actually while we were out there. It was incredible. That one evening where one loon would go and then another one went and then all of a sudden like from across lakes had to have been like miles apart from each other it was just all of a sudden this chorus of loons mm-hmm. i just remember that listening to that moment it was right about going into tent time <laughs> and uh and then the other thing that was really interesting but with the loons is the interplay between the loons and the eagles i just felt like oh, yeah. the loons gave a particular call when there was an eagle nearby and matt i know you provided a little bit of background for maybe why that is um when we when we were there just that I guess they don't, they don't like each other much or, or. I mean, I don't know, but we also make a sound when we see an eagle. Sometimes it's like, oh, oh, 
Oh, yeah. cool. True. So like so everyone true. vocalizes when they see an eagle. It's just kind of what we do. Who knows why the loon does it? I think it's probably like some sort of an alarm yeah, because eagles, bald eagles in particular, are kind of, um, they're a little bit mean uh, mm. birds. They'll just like yeah. eat yeah. anyone's eggs and displace nests and stuff. But um, so, it's a beautiful sound either way. So if we also make a sound much like the loons do when we see an eagle, when that wouldn't it be fair to say then that there's a bit of loon inside all of us? Oh, little loony. Everyone's got a bit we? of loon. Everyone's a little loony. We are a little loony at times. <laughs> oh, very <God>. clever. <laughs> Anthony, go ahead. All right. I'm Anthony LaRubio. I'm the founder of Recal, which is short for Recalibrate. And we specialize in mindful adventure travel. So kind of straddling that line between, um, well, of course, adventure travel and mindfulness in particular, mindfulness in the form of breath work, meditation, um, maybe some listening and forest bathing type of things, taking in nature around us. Um, and how we, I actually got introduced to Matt. Um, we tried to look for some of the last remaining places in the world that are like the rawest forms of nature. Um, because I believe that if, we as humans can get out from our modern environments and go into nature as our bodies and minds kind of have known it for thousands of years prior to the type of environments that we now live in, then that actually sets the stage for the appropriate level of recalibration that we can achieve because it's kind of like quote unquote home for our body and our mind. And one of the indicators of the most natural places that are left to us is actually quiet. And so what Matt and his organization, Quiet Parks International, do is they find the quietest places in the world, aka they're the least amount of human-made noise in them. And so that is a great indication that, that this is a place for our bodies and our mind to recalibrate. And so in partnership with Quiet Parks International and Matt specifically, Recal created alongside them the Quiet Parks series of trips. And that's what led us to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area in northern Minnesota. Yeah, which is basically what we're here to sort of recap today. It was our experience up there. And I, I have a feeling we're going to come back to a couple of the things that you said right there uh, throughout mm -hmm. this conversation because, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of that really uh, hit home for me while we were out there. So, um, but first of all, if let's start with the boundary waters, canoe area wilderness, because I, even in the past couple of weeks, just telling people that that's where I've been, they're like, huh, what, what's that? Where is that? And so, um, yeah, maybe Matt, why don't you, you've been up there the most, why don't you tell us what is it just, what is it? Where is it? And why, you know, why is it a wilderness? Yeah, I too, before I moved to northern Minnesota, really didn't know about the Boundary Waters. Um, it's this large uh, swath of, of, you know, declared wilderness area um, that kind of runs along the northern border of the United States and Canada, um, north of Lake Superior. Um, and yeah, it's it's been designated wilderness for, for a long time, but is not one of the most visited wilderness. It's pretty far out of the way. Um, you know, we hear about like the John Muir wilderness, or we hear about all these other wilderness areas because they're a little bit more in the middle of things. The Boundary Waters is really hard to get to. Um, you really got to meet it to go there. You don't just happen upon it. 
and it's canoe only. You can't like really take a backpacking trip um, into it. You really have to have a canoe and canoe camp um, along the way. So that involves things like portages and, um, you know, permitting and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a really, really special place. Uh, Minnesota, they call it like the 10,000 lakes state, uh, which, you know, is an underestimation of how many lakes are here. And in the boundary waters alone, there's like hundreds of lakes, all of which are off limits to uh, motorized watercraft, um, which makes it really quiet and really, really special. So you get really far out really quick. Um, it's a super special place. And will you explain what portaging is for anybody who missed that word? <laughs> yes, you just you take all your crap out of the canoe, put it on your back, and then put the canoe on your shoulders and, and hike in between lakes. Um, so a lot of these lakes are like, you know, they're not huge lakes. Um, so you paddle the length of a lake and then you have to get out and walk to another lake. Um, so on our trip, I think we did like six portages uh, to get out to the first campsite that we did. Um, so every time we show up, you know, on the lake, paddle across it, uh, get all our stuff out, put the canoes on our shoulders, walk across the piece of land, put the canoes back in, load up our stuff and paddle across the next lake, um, which is, sounds kind of like a suffer fest, but actually <laughs> I didn't think it was. I kind so of thought it was fun. <laughs> like I always think backpacking is the ultimate form of human suffering. Portaging for oh. some reason doesn't seem as bad to me. Hmm. That's really funny. No, I was sitting here with a huge smile on my face because just thinking about our portages was so fun, like preparing for them and scrambling in and around them and passing people on the trail and uh, figuring out where the canoe will fit. And I'm pretty sure you took a spill once <laughs> trying to get into the water. And okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have slipped on some mud. But... And filled our canoe with mud. Okay. Well, I mean, I thought we were going to make me look cool on this podcast, but I guess not. Fine. <laughs> Be that way. At least the spill happened in shallow water as opposed to some other members of our crew. Yeah, so true. Where they tipped it out in, in oh, the open yeah. water. Right. <laughs> we'll talk about that too in our recap. But first, okay, so what was the, before we get into like what we actually did, and because I definitely want to talk about even just how the trip went, you know, and and, and what we saw and what we heard and what we talked about and um, where we camped. And it was just so amazing. But first, let's talk about the intention of, of this trip, because this has been, um, I think this is most of like the intention and what we took away is really what I want to cover because it was so powerful. So maybe we can each share what our intention was. Um, and then we'll talk about what we did. And then we'll talk about what we, what we came away with. Sounds good. You go first, Anthony. Okay. I, I will definitely go first. Um, I mean, I had a couple of different roles though, I would say um, on the trip. So I think my intention is not necessarily as a guest on the trip entirely. Um, so I think with that comes a, a, a different angle or approach to this, but more so from a, a more of a passive guest perspective, my own intention on the trip. And I think this goes with any of our quiet park series trips is how can I amongst the external quiet of a place, how can I go inside and find inner quiet? Um, because it's one thing to go to a place that's been named quiet and has all natural sounds. But if we show up and our mind is 
ruminating on, you know, the things we regret in the past or something coming up in the near future, the mind is not quiet at all. And so that's where the mindfulness practice comes in, I believe. And that's why it's a part of all of our, our recal trips to be able to be where your feet are, or, you know, the concept of just this, just this moment right now. Um, so my intention uh, was to find inner quiet alongside the external quiet. Then one of the bigger intentions for me as the, the founder of Recal and also the coach on this particular trip from a mindfulness coach perspective, for those of you that don't know exactly, um, all of the Recal trips that we run, which we run some up in the Boundary Waters, in Glacier, in Montana, out in the Ho Rainforest and Olympic National Park. We also have a dark sky series in the Anza Borrego Desert in California. So we've got various places that we go. Each one of our trips uh, has a recal coach that comes on it. And that coach is certified in various modalities of mindfulness, breathwork for sure being one of them, but um, guided meditations, yoga, all sorts of other things. Um, I happen to be the coach on this trip. And my intention from that perspective was yes, to take advantage of this immersive four days in the boundary waters and make the most out of that for everybody. However, my intention was also share with everybody there some of the tools that they could bring back with them after the trip is over and after this moment in time um, where you're away from your home environment, wherever that is, and the modern environment that might be full of stressors that may send you into an anxious state of mind or fight or flight mode with your you know, nervous system. My intention was to hopefully share with everybody some tools um, and have those, uh, learn some of those, teach some of those to them, have them learn them, and then be able to bring them back to be able to use to just live a more mindful and aware and uh, more fulfilling life post-trip. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Who's next? <laughs> I'll go. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I think that I, my intention on to like the reason why I went on this trip was kind of as um, part research actually, like we had spent so much time kind of creating um, the idea for these trips and this trip was happening in my backyard and uh, Anthony was nice enough to invite me on it. So I feel like for me, it was really, <clears throat> I was expecting to kind of go and just like witness what was happening. Um, I am very fortunate that I get to spend a lot of time in quiet. And I am a firm believer that spending time in quiet places makes your heart quiet and your mind quiet um, in whatever way that means to you. We all have different ways that we interpret that. Um, but oftentimes bringing people to these places is difficult. Uh, people are bad at sitting still and being quiet. It's just part of our culture. You know, it's like we're always going and doing and um, have things on our mind and we're productive. Um, so I was kind of expecting that it was like going to be nice to see people uh, and interesting to see people try and adjust to this, this uh, introduction of, of quiet into their lives. Um, what ended up happening was I felt like a participant on the trip. Like I really felt like I benefited from uh, the breath work we were doing. Obviously, like I, I really felt and admired the quiet uh, that was there. Um, and like by the end of the trip, it was so amazing. Like I, we weren't really having to make people listen. Everyone was just like, would hear a bird and shut up, um, you know, which is really cool. That doesn't happen uh, without the right intention, like from the get go. Um, 
so yeah, I just, I, I kind of was thrown off guard by, um, by how much I personally got out of it. Not because it, I didn't think it was a great, going to be a great trip for everyone, but because I felt myself a little bit removed from it. Um, but what ended up happening was I just felt like immediately really kind of at home with everyone on the trip, um, with the activities we were doing. And um, yeah, so it was like a, it was a vacation. My, it was a mindfulness retreat for me and I wasn't expecting it. It was so mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that because I kind of, I, I think b- what you guys both just said kind of segues into what I'm about to say, because I can relate to both of these things. Um, first of all, Anthony, as a trip leader, I, that was where I understand the perspective thing, you know, um, wanting to be part of the group, yet also having this responsibility that you created this experience and there's a certain amount of responsibility and work. I'm putting this in quotes that goes along with that. Um, so I totally understand that. And because of that, because that's where I'm normally sitting on a trip like this, my intention was to lean in. That was like my word for this trip was to, Mm. I just wanted to lean in and see what would happen. I didn't know what to expect. I had actually no expectations, except that I was super excited to finally be going to the Boundary Waters. I've been hearing about it for a long, long time. And so I I was so stoked to be able to finally get there. So thank you for the opportunity. But yeah, as far as the intention, I really wanted to just lean in and not have expectations. And what I mean by that is I think energy related. It's, it's, it's like, okay, what am I going to be able to give of myself on this trip? What will I be able to receive from the people around me? And just kind of let it tell its own story um, without having any kind of forethought, really. And that was really exciting because mm-hmm. kind of what to what you were saying, Matt, I I felt like it was so cool to finally be a participant. Yeah, I mean, to, mm-hmm. to get to go as a guest on a group trip, which I always talk about how amazing group trips are. And um, to be on the other side where like, this is kind of out of my comfort zone. I've never done breath work before. I had no idea what to expect about meditation. I mean, I'm like the moving meditation type. Like I find quiet when I run, I'm like constantly moving. Mm -hmm. Well, I shouldn't say that because I'm not a busybody, but like, I mean, I'm really good at holding down some rocks. Let's not get me wrong. But I just, the whole breath work meditation thing was very much outside my wheelhouse. So that was really cool. Um, And, and well, I guess we'll get to that when we talk about what we took away, but um, yeah, my intention was just to lean in and see what this experience could hold for me aside from, you know, wanting to create a podcast episode about it aside from the part that would be classified as any kind of responsibility. Like what else can I do here? Like what, what is waiting for me, um, behind this door? And that was really, I loved that, that approach actually. And I'll talk about that maybe again at the end. And Jackie, I thought it was, it was actually pretty cool that, going into the trip, we had discussed, Hey, maybe we'll, we'll like record some segment of the podcast or something together, or we'll whip out the microphones and we'll do this. We'll do that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we were up here in our, in our brain and our working Mm -hmm. mind and leading up to the trip. That was kind of what we had sort of bounced some ideas. Like we're going to do this, do this and do that. And it's all like business oriented. And then when we got there, it didn't even need to be said but we knew we weren't going to do those things. It just didn't happen. (laughs) Like we just, like we got there and I believe, you know, mother nature just took over our bodies and our minds were home and we don't need to be thinking about do this, do this, do that, do Mm -hmm. that. 
you know, run down that checklist of things that we were quote unquote going to accomplish on this trip. And I love that. I love that for you. And I love that for everybody there to just be able to be. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was was happy that that's the way it turned out. Me too. It was really liberating. It was, I mean, I, cause it crossed my mind a couple of times when we were standing around sharing different things and I thought, you know what? Nope. It's not, we don't have to do that. You know, we can, we can recap this later. This is a time to be present, to be in the moment and to just appreciate what people are saying and sharing. And that's, that's pretty special. And it went right along with the landscape and where we were. So yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what we did because this trip was so fun. It was just so exciting. We didn't, it wasn't without hiccups. I mean, we had some, some things starting with a, you know, an engine die on the boat, like right away, but yeah, let's just recap. This Uh, is such a cool trip. Like people don't know what we're talking about. They haven't heard of the boundary waters. They just found out for the first time what portaging is, but let's take them through it. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll maybe walk us through. So like you mentioned already, the boundary waters is takes quite an effort to get to. So, and I think that's actually relevant for any and all quiet places these days, Matt, uh, you know, you, you go to great lengths. <laughs> A to lifelong pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And so for starters, just to get to the boundary waters was quite an achievement. Um, you know, it took a plane ride for many of the, of the guests on the trip, landing in Minneapolis, a four hour drive up an overnight stay. Then we got into our overnight stay at the, at the outfitter. And then it took us a, a pretty long motorized boat ride to get deep into it and then canoeing and portaging and finally getting to a point where oh, wow, there's no human made noise. Maybe like one plane a day you could hear like way up 30,000 feet, but rarely that happened. So so I just want to call out like the planes, trains, automobiles type of thing that it took to actually get to quiet. Um, but then, you know, specifically what we did after at least making our way to the outfitter located in Ely, Minnesota, just outside the Boundary Waters, we did some journaling, um, and that's a core part of all recal trips is to have a, a journal um, for some introspection and whatnot. So y'all oh, did wait, some- pause because the journal <laughs> that that you gave us that people get on these recal trips is dope. It's like the <laughs> nicest journal I've ever seen yeah. in this like leather bound, beautiful thing. Yeah. So like I'm trying to describe it for people who aren't watching, but it's like, it looks like a, a sacred text is held in this beautifully bound book. Oh my so, gosh. Okay. It okay. is. It looks like the Indiana Jones's dad's journal is for yes. looking for the oh Holy Grail. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Do you it does. It's true. Purpose? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I wanted to be a, a special thing when I was designing this. But yeah, Matt, I, I do appreciate Sorry, that. I derailed us, but I just wanted to call attention to the Thank beautiful you. journal that you probably spent like hundreds of hours creating. <laughs> well, it was a creation through my own process of doing, right? Um, which is sometimes the best, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I got into a journaling practice on my own recal trip of sorts back in January, February, 2021. And that was the first time I had ever journaled at all. Um and when I got into it, I was like, okay, there's really something here. And then that style of journaling that I was getting into kind of what worked well for me, I just started to actually write the pages of what the prompts would be on a guided journaling practice. And that's what has turned into the recal journal now. So yes, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. So 
we kicked some things off with journaling, some questions that really tapped into our senses. Like what, what do you hear? What do you smell? What do you taste? Cause that is a key part of going out into nature and being present is how can we activate and get our senses firing on all cylinders. Then we did a, a silent dinner where, you know, there was, I called it, you know, an introspective dinner where there was no talking and actually like see your food, taste your food, smell your food. It's like, whoa, this concept of eating is totally different when I'm not scrolling through a feed or like listening to a podcast uh, while eating. Um, but for anyone out there who's eating at this exact moment, I love it. <laughs> no hate, no hate. This doesn't apply no to you. Whatever. Uh, audiobook, 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 uh, not podcast. Um, but, and I think that set the stage. Matt, I know you mentioned that it was really interesting for you because you do this often in your work. When you hear something, you pause and you're like, if you're walking, you stop walking just to like hear that or hear the echo that might be associated with that. Hear the long tail sounds that might come from that sound or the source of the sound. I believe that right from the beginning of our trip with the journaling and the introspective dinner, I think it set the stage for, I guess, the level of like respect that people were going to bring to the sounds we were going to experience. And therefore throughout the trip, anytime there was that moment of sound, our hearing, our sense of hearing was already amplified because of these exercises. And then they were more willing to pause and, and just take it in for that moment. So I think that was kind of set on that first night. Um, That's we a really stayed good over- point. Yeah. It's a really good point. I think you're right about that. Now that I think about it, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, there was a point where we had closed our eyes and uh, reopened them. And I think that also helped with the visual. It, it helped lay the, the groundwork for mm-hmm. what was to come, like almost like a foundation from which to operate on this trip for our senses, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. super interesting. So that was actually well played, Anthony. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I draw these things up and... I have them all programmed and and ready to to go. Yet, what's really interesting is I found out very quickly that I was going to be a passenger on this ride, and Mother Nature was going to be the driver. I don't mm-hmm. know if, like, I don't know that you would notice that necessarily as a guest on the trip and kind of like going with the flow, literally at times, given the canoeing and portaging. But it turned into something where the program was the program until the program changed, right? And Therefore, as opposed to other recal trips, which I think were more retreat style forward, and then adventure and nature were like components of the retreat. This trip, I actually thought just given the wilderness, the nature of of the wilderness and and the depth that we were going into the wilderness, I, I think it ended up being more of a nature, mother nature playing host to us and then sprinkling in some recal elements Mm -hmm. and some mindfulness as we could. So surrendering to that was actually kind of a practice in mindfulness for me. (laughs) Absolutely. And I always say that, you know, like when I plan trips to Patagonia, this place is so powerful that my work, um, I mean, this is different for for you because you were a coach, an active coach on this trip, but I always say like my, my jobs almost stops when we get there, not stops, but like, it's almost complete when we arrive because you have to just let mother nature do her thing. And the trip kind of take the course of wherever it's going to go. And, and that's out of our hands. 
So, okay. Yes, we just uh, exactly. kind of tangented again. Tang- yeah. Tangent? Sorry. Whatever. Yeah. So Words. back to chronologically then um, after the introspective <laughs> dinner and then staying overnight in the bunkhouse at Boundary Waters Outfitters, which is who's our, our partner for outfitting these trips. Um, we got up in the morning, we headed out to the tow boats and loaded them up. And then that was when the surrendering to whatever is to happen was supposed to happen. That's when our, our engine our actually boat failed. Died. Away. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually one of like a really peaceful moment. You know, I enjoyed it. We were and, just looking for eagles. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we found quite a few in that yes, moment we did. too. So anyway, we eventually made it out there to our first so the way, by the way, that, that a Boundary Waters trip is functions, if we're going to this level, you, you have to get a permit and those permits open up in, in January and they go pretty quickly. When you get your permit, you do name an entry point and that entry point has to be where you enter. We entered entry point 25, I believe, on Moose chain of lakes. And that entry limits the number of people that can go in at one time. It's nine people and four canoes in case you really want to get technical on what you can and can't bring in, including number of people. So we had eight, we had four canoes. We got out to our first portage, which by the way is uh, in French, it's portage, which I believe means to carry. So that makes total sense considering all the things we carried. So then that, that began our trek into the wilderness, which was, yeah, canoeing, coming to a portage, getting out, throwing the canoe over your shoulders. If you're like Jackie, that means that you throw it on seamlessly and taking it down right. with grace and strength. <laughs> I was just so impressed. There is a video out there on Instagram for anyone looking to watch. Jackie's very, very skilled portaging. <laughs> I have to thank Matt for that though, because he was the one coaching me through it. And I stood there holding it on my shoulders until he finished coaching me. And then I thought, okay, I have to do this exactly like he told me. And then I did. So good job, coach. Thank you. I wish you had <laughs> muted my voice though. I sound so annoying in that video when you had it the whole time. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it was great. Yeah, it was good. Like a pro. Was, it was really cool though, to actually um, recognize that, or that was a good point. And I'm going to just reiterate what I had said in the Instagram post, because I think we get really in our head about what we can do, what we're capable of sometimes, you know, I mean, I know we do. I'm not, I think I know we do. And I was very much in my head about that, about being able to take the, th- the giant, awkward canoe, 17 foot off of my shoulders by myself and, and set it down in the water. And, um, it was, it felt like a feather. I don't even know how that's possible, but it really was so light and, and easy by the time I did it, that I was like, let me do it again. I want you to, I like carried the canoe every time I think. So not every time, but like a good 75% of the portages, I probably had a canoe on my shoulders. And I, I had been afraid of that at the beginning. And then I thought, no, I like a challenge. I want to do this. And sometimes you just have to commit and do the dang thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. as as a team and portaging does require teamwork quite a bit. I remember Lynn Ann asked for volunteers that were going to be the ones to carry the canoes. And Jackie, your hand shot up right mm-hmm. from the beginnings. So I do remember that. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's really cool to do. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. We did have one midwater rescue. That was hilarious. If your paddle On our first falls day, off, like yeah. the second lake. <laughs> the second lake, I know. Uh, like without wind on a sunny day, just we had a, a loose paddle and a, and a reach <laughs> that went wrong. <laughs> um, and his but, name is now Reach. Yeah, we have deemed him Reach. But our guide, Lenan, so we did go with a guide, which I mm-hmm. would highly recommend if you don't know what you're doing. You have to, basically, mm-hmm. you, you must if you don't know what you're doing. But 
she performed an incredible mid water canoe rescue, uh, which mm-hmm. I will never forget. That's <laughs> that was also, so badass. <laughs> oh man. She like lifted that thing up onto the bow of her boat with one arm and was like, no. excuse me, step aside, gentlemen. Yeah, I got like, this. <laughs> guys, just swim away for a moment. Yeah. Uh, no, but we made it. We made it all the way out to, um, knife lake it was our destination for that day and actually i think it was only a couple of lakes in where we were on the border so the trees mm. to our left were canada and the trees to our right were minnesota and that was such a cool thing to be way, yeah. I mean, way up there on the map just oh hey canada we weren't legally allowed to sleep on the canadian side so all the campsites were on the minnesota side but yeah we found a really really cool campsite that had natural mm-hmm. stone steps up to a beautiful grass landing and campsite or tent sites in the woods. And all of these, um, all of the campsites are designated. They have a fire ring mm-hmm. and rules about how to collect firewood, etc. And then they also have a latrine, which was mm-hmm. super great for camping, which ended up being at every campsite. It's like a trail that goes off into the woods deep into the woods. And there's just a throne <laughs> without any walls, just a toilet. Yeah, it was great though. It worked. I mean, when the bugs weren't, we did have bugs. It was June. June in Minnesota, bugs. Yeah. I can't believe um, no one's mentioned any of the bugs yet, but that's good. Mm. Let's let's get everyone thinking that there's no bugs in northern Minnesota in the summer. What bugs, man? The first time I ever wore a bug net on my head. That was fine. It totally works. I also had quite success bug treating my clothing before I went. I had like one mm-hmm. camp outfit that I treated with permethrin specifically for clothing um, before I went. And I think it really worked because I came away pretty unscathed, which is amazing, especially since I normally am not like that with bugs. So word to the wise, treat your clothing yes. and get a bug yes. head, but a bug head, a bug net. Get a bug head. head. <laughs> a bug head. <laughs> if you look like a bug, the bugs won't attack. <laughs> so campsite, we camped there for two nights. Yep. Yeah, two that nights. was really nice. So we didn't have to like pack up camp. Like it's always hard, I think, to get whether you're backpacking or you're like through hiking or any of these trips, like there's like a rhythm that gets established and there's things that you have to do. Like you have to pack up camp by a certain time so you can get on the move and cover the mileage. So it was super nice that second day where we didn't have to like really do anything, I thought, um, other than just like get adjusted to our place, um, which was really, really nice. Yeah. And Matt, I would speak to that for a moment. That was, that's kind of by design. I think one, one of the principles of, of a recal trip is to get people out of the mindset of go, go, go more, 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 which is the busyness that maybe leads them just a little bit out of calibration. Right. And maybe they're in that stress mode too often. And so on a recal trip, yes, it's adventure travel. Yes, we're out in nature, but it's not like how many miles are we going to paddle today? How many portages are we going to cover? How far can we get out? How many fish can we catch? How many hikes can we climb? Um, How many minutes can we stay in this cold water? Um, I'm smiling because Jackie, you crush the cold water. And, and really that focus shifts on a recal trip away from those types of metrics and what you can do and what you can squeeze in an amount of time. And it, and it focuses much more on just the being part and finding stillness right where your, your feet are basically. And, and that is consistent across all trips. And it just happened to be like, you know, 
played out as it should on this trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate that because that second, that second day, we actually got to do an extra exploration that we all agreed upon as a group and said, Mm -hmm. this is what we want to do. We're choosing to paddle. It ended up being like four miles. Not that we were supposed to be counting. Apparently I was, um, (laughs) to, uh, look out where we did a little hike and that was so gorgeous. That was such a good activity for that day. Cause it took a good chunk of time and gave us something to earn our dinner for and gave us more to see in the area. And that was, mm-hmm. it was really nice. Yeah, also Nothing that, felt rushed. Yeah. And that the place we went to called Thunder Point is like one of the few places that you can go in the boundary waters that's elevated. Mm-hmm. Um, like the boundary waters is super flat for the most part. And it's just like, you know, you have these vistas of lakes, but you don't have any sort of elevation change really. So getting to a place where we got a little bit of elevation, you could see, down and out around you was really really cool and i hadn't ever been in the spot in the boundary waters like that before mm. that's thunder point yeah. in case anybody's wondering thunder point yes yeah yep yeah really and nice. kind of like like you mentioned jackie it wasn't like that was an activity that we decided that we wanted to do there wasn't a rush to go do it um in fact on our way back for better for worse uh for jackie at least <laughs> um we paused on the open water and we tucked the the canoes together and kind of held them together. And we did just like a guided meditation right on the water, kind of facing the sun and the sun reflection on, on the water in front of us. And we just listened and we smelled and we, um, I don't know, at one point we opened our eyes. Um, we opened our eyes because I thought I noticed Jackie may or may not have, have been getting a little bit seasick she was uh, was struggling (laughs) (laughs) so noted for future reference for the record maybe we'll pick a little bit of a calmer spot for our flipping meditation um so you know i learned a thing or two so thank you jackie you're welcome i will say anthony it was impressive that you picked up on that though Mm -hmm. good you know good job but then at some point we like weren't really done with the meditation and I just saw Jackie's face was very pale. And I was like, we need to go. We need to start paddling forward. It's time. It's time. And I just think we yeah. just like, kind of pushed away from the, the raft. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well, my initial strategy was to open our eyes and focus on a point in the distance at first, which I don't know if anyone caught on to that. That sometimes is a seasickness sort of cure or motion sickness cure. And then, and then I even went to the level of like, relax your eyes on that distant point. So you're not actually really focused on it. You're almost like relaxing and, and that maybe sometimes can help. And I, I just wasn't feeling it was working. So then I did wrap up meditation. Yeah. But so that, that, yeah, you did. Cause that was only my experience, you know, um, mm-hmm. because one of the other girls had a re that was like her highlight of the day was that, mm. that meditation. It's exactly what she yeah. needed. So, you know, it's, it's all good and you're going to experience it the way that your body needs to <laughs> No, that was, that was really nice. It was good. All of it. And what else we all pitched in with campfiring and cooking and yeah. watering. Actually, Matt took most of that doing the filter filter. Water water. Boy. Thank you. Thank you for keeping us hydrated. <laughs> it's my, uh, my only joy in life is to keep people hydrated. Yeah. It was cool to see everybody kind of divide and, and, uh, split up roles and, and get after it on, at camp. Um, some people took over the fire, some other people gathered the, the wood. And I'll speak to this for a moment on the gathering of wood. One of the themes or really one of the foundational elements of, of recal 
not to go too far off the deep end, but kind of around that concept of going home into these deep parts of nature and how our body and our mind kind of know that intimately, yet sometimes it hasn't even experienced it in the, the modern environments that we live in. Um, the operating system that is going at all times between our body and our mind, that was evolved in these natural environments out in nature. And it was evolved in a time period where humans were hunting and gathering. And one of the, the signs that, that I felt, I actually felt this while I was gathering wood was this motivation to get the best piece of wood that I knew was going to light on fire. And it was the driest and the brownest and the downest, you know, down, brown and down, uh, Dry brown down and down. And brown. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Dry brown and down. That, dead down I, I and brown. Dead down and brown. That's it. And that motivation to keep exploring and keep seeking the perfect firewood, I realized upon reflection, like that's dopamine in action. That is my body that knows I'm here in this moment to provide for the people back at camp. Um, and that type of like instinctual reaction, that's thousands of years in the making. Mm. And that to me was really cool to feel that type of recalibration, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's, it was a dopamine hit that definitely hit different than picking up my phone to check on social media to see validation that I'm accepted in the world or that, that just deathly scroll and scroll and scroll that's dopamine, but that's a, that is a light, unfulfilling type of dopamine. It was very different for me to be going and gathering that firewood. So um, yeah, I'll just, I just wanted to speak to that. That was a moment of recognition for me. Yeah, I loved how uh, I, I've been on a lot of trips and I've guided trips before. And a lot of times if you have like a big group and then a guide, everyone in the group just lets the guide do all like the cooking and like the camp kitchen setup and all that stuff, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think everyone was really like liked, like immediately the first night, like, it, you know, one of the, the guests was like, I'm going to cook dinner and I've never cooked over a campfire before, but like, I'm going to like cook all this chicken over a campfire perfectly cooked by the way, which is quite a feat yes. to like cook chicken breast over a campfire and it not dry out. Yes. Um, but yeah, everyone just like was really excited to chip in, which is much different. I think than a lot of other trips that I've been on where it's like, okay, the guide does all the stuff. And we're just here to like be served in some ways. Um, and that was really, really cool to see. I agree. I agree. And I think everybody got to play to their strengths in that too. Cause we yeah. all. Also were... our guide was like so phenomenal mm -hmm. and she started out the trip and was like a regular guide. I felt like, and then by the end of the trip, she was like doing the breath work with us and like engaging in the mindfulness circles and the, the gratitude and all this stuff. It was like amazing to see that it was like infectious. Like, I really felt like the energy that everyone was bringing was like so infectious that she was like so into it. It was really cool. Yeah. She came up with the mindfulness walk to go gather rocks, um, especially ones that, that had different sounds associated with them. Cause just, just to put it in a, or add a little more background to that knife Lake, which is the lake that we were on um, where we camped the first two nights Knife Lake is a pretty famous lake in the Boundary Waters. It's actually one of the earliest places in North America where there is evidence of human activity. And that activity is in the form of tools um, shaped out of rock. And the rock in Knife Lake, hence knife, um, it is very sharp. And um, 
as Jackie knows from attempting to skip said rock. Um, but you a, gave a me <laughs> sabotage. <laughs> uh, well, I couldn't let you win uh, or stand there and watch you win at this rock skipping competition. So, yes. <clears throat> yes, I can attest the, well. the, the rocks are very sharp. Right. And, and so that's one of the really special things about knife lake is, is that it was one of the early place, earliest places in North America where humans were actually creating tools out of these rocks. So our guide had us chipped in with, with coaching basically with, uh, came up with the mindful walking practice of going to find these rocks. And that was really cool just to like, I guess, tap into, I don't, I think it gained perspective for me of who I am, where I am in the context of the age and the history of a place, which I think is one of the really special things about travel in, in general. And Jackie, I know you talk about this a lot in how you're able to see perspective of yourself in the world by traveling. And that I think really spoke to me in that moment when we were on our walk um, to gather rocks and knowing just that these were so valuable to my ancestors at, at some point in time for their survival. And that's what eventually led, you know, us to be here. So that was, that was really special for me. I think we should each share a moment, something from the trip that stood out to us. Um, because you are bringing me back now to a moment that I had when we were doing a, I think it was just breath work, if not meditation, something, something, Anthony, (laughs) um, on our stone steps leading down to the water at our campsite. And you asked us to lay down and I had nobody below me, just the water. And I laid down and I could just see sunshine. Like the sun was just in my face and it was great. Um, it was also quite bright and you put a jacket over my face, which was awesome because it felt like I was just in this cocoon of sunshine and I could just hear the water. And Honestly, I was tracking with you through that whole thing. I heard you, but the only words I can remember you actually saying now are this is home because it went back to your, what you said earlier about, um, connecting with nature, the way that our ancestors did essentially where we came from, um, which used to be just in, in the quiet, in the silence of nature. And personally, I grew up by a lake. Uh, in the mountains. And that is that water, like the sound of water, the sound of a lake is different than than a river, you know, and the sound of the trees, the pine trees, that's what I grew up with. Like that deep rush of wind in the pine trees, which is different from Aspen's. It's different from, uh, you know, it's deeper and it, it seems higher in elevation. Like it's, I don't know, there's something about it that just takes me right back to my, my literal home, and it felt like a dual meaning thing for me because it, I wanted so badly to stay connected to that feeling, I guess, of this is home and I need more of this in my life. And I was just telling you guys before we hit the record button that I've been so aware of how much I have been indoors the last few days since we got back from this trip. And it's something I know that I have to really work towards is spending time outside because I do spend a lot of time outside and I live in Montana, which is one of the wild places that we have in the contiguous U S you know, and, um, and it seems to still not be enough for me. And so reconnecting with that sense of this is where I belong, like literally on the shore of a lake in the trees with the sun 
I want to bottle that up. I want to drink from it every day. I loved it. Mm. So thank you for taking me there. Mm. Yeah. I would say something deep, like you took yourself there or Mm. a good coach would Mm. maybe say that, but I do believe that. (laughs) Yeah. Matt, do you have a, you can go next if you would like, if you have a special moment in mind. I have many special moments in mind. Um, I think I, I am lucky enough to spend a lot of time outside, uh, but I spend a lot of that time alone outside. Um, I love spending time alone outside. That for me is like where I go uh, when I need clarity in life, when I need to calm myself, when I need answers, like I go outside alone. Um, but as a result, I think about going outside with a bunch of other people as not as enjoyable, um, which I think this trip really solidified in my mind. Like that's just not true. Um, and we're creatures of habit, but oftentimes if we uh, engage with things outside of our habits, it's actually, you realize that um, your habits are formed for real reasons, but aren't necessarily the only thing you should be comfortable with. Um, and in particular at this moment, uh, it was on our, uh, our second to last day. We, you know, we spent two nights on Night Flake. And then the last day we, uh, we paddled most of the way back towards where we were going to get picked up by the towboat, but we spent a night on Birch Lake, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were uh, kind of doing all the portages and making our way across the lakes, we stopped in the middle of this small lake for a, uh, for a lunch. And we all, instead of like getting out onto the, uh, getting out onto land to have lunch, we just rafted all the boats together and just like started pulling food out of the bags and like, I was sitting there making peanut butter and jelly wraps for everyone. And like PB&J machine over here. Yeah, That's my name. Mm -hmm. PB&J is my game. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we we were like, you know, tossing salami around and like trail mix. And there's like, you know, eight of us in four boats rafted up and we're all just like scooching back and forth. And it was just like, we had, it was such a nice time um, just like eating lunch in the middle of the lake. And then we just kind of floated down the lake with the wind after we were done with lunch um and yeah i have this photo of i was in the rear of the canoe and jackie's in the front and it's just like we're just like both lounging out like not paddling just like probably eyes closed just like really super relaxed and that to me was like yeah one of the one of the many special moments but that moment in particular was like so beautiful for me because it's like this time you can't have an experience like that alone um that's stuff that can only be experienced in the company of other people so Mm. That lunch was absolutely magical. It was so special to be, and I think everyone felt it. It was almost Mm. that we didn't even have to say it yet. Someone did say it and it just became this collective energy of we've, how have you ever done this before? Like, will you ever do this again? This was so unique to just be floating down a lake and passing things around and just having the greatest time and laughing and, and looking at looking for animals and and then just drifting apart and mm. and sharing an unplanned just happened to be kind of a moment of silence as we just like took it all in and appreciated I think where we were and what we had just shared and mm. so nice I love that yeah mm-hmm. what about you Anthony well um I'll actually mention one moment that I had that was very special in that moment and then I'll, I'll mention the one I actually had thought of sharing Um, after when we were just floating after that lunch, there was, there's a really cool moment in time where 
Um, I could feel the sun over me. I was in the front. I was in the bow of the canoe. So I didn't need to steer. And there was a moment where there was a, a at least light rowing going on and or paddling, I should say. And I closed my eyes because everyone was already quiet already. It was like this unspoken, literally unspoken moment of silence. Um, and I just wanted to see how much I could amplify my sense of hearing in that moment. And what could I hear when the paddle kind of hits the water and just like gently drips in and then subtly kind of like grazes the water and then brings it back up and you hear a little bit of dripping and then put it back in. But then that layered on all the layers of the sounds all around me, whether that was other paddles or other floating going on from other canoes or a little bit further, the birds in the trees along the sides, or even further, just like maybe the white noise from, from the rushing water of the nearby portage we were about to go to. Um, just all that layering, I thought it was, was really cool to sort of witness. And with my eyes closed, it was, it was like that much more uh, of an experience. So that was really special. Um, and then another moment that I, that I had was actually on our very last morning when we had packed up camp and it was raining and one would think that that would put a damper on the moment. <laughs> um, but really what it did was I just thought it brought this like quiet stillness to our slow paddle back to where the tow boat was going to meet us. It was like kind of foggy, a little bit dark, sort of hazy. And then just all around you is the light drops of water, just like hitting the water. And when the water droplet would hit the water for a split second, there'd be a little bead of water that'd be like white in color and it would sit on top of the water and then it'd drop back in. And it was like that happening like all around. And I just like relaxed my eyes on watching that happen. And I just felt that collectively everybody was embracing the, the rain that was happening around us. It was like at that point in time, we had leaned so far into the natural elements of this place that we actually enjoyed being wet and being slightly cold, maybe it just, and I just think that speaks to the essence of, of going back home. That is a natural environment for us to be in rain. And I thought that was really cool to experience. I'm so with you on that. I love yeah, that, that rain. That was such a special paddle. Mm-hmm. I have one more moment that I want to share that was actually both mine and Matt's, but I have to share it. Um, I wasn't going to share it because I figured you were going to. Oh, I know. thought you were going to. So here we go. Um, no, this is yours. Okay. Well, you were there, <laughs> which made it even cooler. Um, yeah. On the last night, as we were, we had packed up and we were heading back and we camped on Birch Lake. We had to find another campsite and we had our sights set on this. We had checked and checked and some of them were full and we'd been, we just knew that the, the pressure was sort of on, like we had to find somewhere that was going to be big enough for all of us. And we had our sights set on this one kind of grassy area on a point and Matt and I like dug and dug and dug to get there. And because there was, there was a group of canoers hot on your heels to get to the campsite that I think collectively everyone saw was open. And yeah, yeah. You both, Matt and I were not about to let that happen. 
<laughs> but I think we both wanted, like, we both wanted the right site. You know, we wanted it to be the right site for us. We were willing to give up a site that wasn't going to be the right one. And we had gotten to the front side of the point. And one of our other canoe, I don't know if it was you, Anthony, somebody else was with us and they stayed at the front. We decided to paddle around the back to see if there was a different site around the other side of the point. And Matt says, as we're paddling around the point to see if there's another campsite on the other side, he says, where's the eagle? Where's your eagle? Because eagle is my spirit animal, bald eagle. And we had been seeing them all throughout this trip. And it was like seeing an eagle would let us know that this is our site. And I kid you not, we come around this corner and a bald freaking eagle takes off from the land, from the land and flies into a tree right in front of us. And I mean, we both were just, it took our breath away. It was such a cool moment to witness this thing so close to us. I mean, we probably spooked it. I don't even know. And it went and sat in the tree, just overlooking the bay behind this point, which ended up being one large campsite that we hadn't realized. It was the one that we had chosen and it went through to the other side. And so this was the other side of that campsite. And we knew at that moment, we saw the eagle that this was our this was our site. And there were a couple of loons that were swimming offshore that were both looking at it. We're like, okay, I think, I think this is where we're meant to be. And it was just a really, really cool moment. Yeah. That was super special, but it was full. Like this whole weekend was full of these moments. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. They do. Uh, Dom Ross says the quieter you are, the more you can hear. And I think Dom Ross. Yeah. Ram Dass. Ram Dass. <laughs> I, like, I don't know a Dom Ross. Ram Dass. Blow up your spot there, buddy. Dom I just want to make sure people weren't Googling for who's this Dom guy. Nope, not the, not an Italian guy named Dom. Hey. Yeah. Sorry. Good work, <laughs> You got to have the special I, moments, you know? <laughs> that's that's Matt's ninth accent for the record. Uh, I think um, we're beyond nine. I didn't now. think we would get through this <laughs> podcast without hearing an accent for sure. But hey, Matt, I appreciate the correction. That way, nobody is out there googling the wrong name. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Because you were going to say a quote by Ram Dass that is going to yes, be phenomenal by, by Ram Dass, which anything from him is phenomenal. Um, maybe if I could just get the name right. Uh, and that is the quieter you are, the more you can hear. And I really do think that that ended up playing out on our trip. I think there were just those many, many moments where we were, we had the intention of being quiet and seeking external quiet. Yes, but also internal quiet. And that enabled the internal quiet is what really enabled us to then hear more and see more and just be more connected with what was happening around us. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it always takes like, time to let the busyness of our lives and our minds go and by the end of that trip we were all just there for whatever was going to happen mm-hmm. and there's no like yeah, everyone was just like so receptive to letting those moments happen it was so so cool mm-hmm. and leaning in which goes mm-hmm. back to my intention which actually brings me to i think what we could wrap up with which is what what did we take away from from this trip. What I think we took probably a lot. We probably took a lot of things, but let's just choose like maybe one thing, maybe two each to share of what we, what we took away from this trip and how we might implement that in our lives. I will start since I put this on upon you. Um, I actually 
really loved my intention. Like it spoke to me a lot throughout the whole trip of, of this idea of just leaning in and just being there for what I can do. Um, whether that's something that I'm going to learn or something that I can share. And I really loved that because as a leader of trips, I think I'm very much in my head around the operational side a lot. And it was really nice to come out of that. And I would love to be, I actually wrote about this for myself in my journal um, to try and describe what that felt like so that I can go back and reread that to sort of almost bottle it up and, and, and try that again, even on my next group trip where I am on the operations side, but to, to remember what it felt like to lean in with that kind of different kind of energy. Um, and I feel like that's almost vulnerable for me to be saying that, um, as I am speaking to all the people who know that I lead group trips, but I would really like to practice that in the future is, um, maybe leaning in a little differently on my own group trips. Cause it meant so much to me. And it, it does, it is something that can, I think can be like needs to be, and can be compartmentalized as we are present on these trips with our people. That was one I'm sure too. The other one is, um, that feeling of home. Also, mm-hmm. I want to pursue being outside so much more. I, and it's, like I said before, it's something you really have to work towards because I felt the exact same way after I came back from a month in Patagonia, where I was pretty much outside for a month, which is my happy place. Love it. And then what did I do? I kind of forgot about it. I mean, it was still sort of winter here in Montana. Okay. You got to work with your elements, but if you're making a decision, making a, you know, this is what I learned and this is what I want to do from that. If you really want to implement that, it's hard work. You got to do it if it means something to you. And this really means a lot to me. It really means a lot to me to be outside. And, um, I need to just do that more. I really, that's what I want to do. That's what I, that was one of my takeaways mm. even more. That's beautiful. Um, I think one of my takeaways is more like a, a reaffirmation in some ways. I, I mean, I took away a lot of things, something that's new for me that I took away is that I'm excited to spend more time with Anthony and uh, engage with more breathwork because I had a really crazy experience um, during one of our breathwork sessions that was like totally new for me and very cool. Um, so I'm really excited to like try and make that more a part of my my life. Um, but my kind of reaffirmation is that sharing quiet places with people is so important and so powerful. Um, and I love being there to help like get people to these, these quiet places and have these quiet experiences. Um, and I think like we, we briefly touched on it a few times, but like quiet is not just a physical scientific thing that you can study with amounts of noise pollution and sound pressure levels and things like that. Quiet exists inside of us and in our minds. Um, and it becomes much easier to feel quiet when you're in quiet. Um, so being able to go to a quiet place with people and then watch them become quieter uh, inside was like, is yeah, it's one of the greatest joys that I have in my life um, for sure. And this trip was just a reaffirmation that I love doing it and I want to do more of it. Um, because it's it's so so special. Mm. I love that. Love that. And Matt, thank you for saying that too. I'm I would be more than happy to share more of my breathwork practice and coaching and everything with you. So I'm glad you got a lot out of that. And 
um, happy, happy, happy to, to do that. That's definitely one of my passions is to, to share some of that, um, with others. So my, my, uh, takeaway that, that I have again, more so because of the position I think that I was in, I spent so much time like programming what we were going to do and sort of building out what the flow of this retreat should be, what the, you know, the high points should be, how can I like manufacture this experience for people? And like, that is just so not the way that that played out. And so my takeaway is, and this can be applied, yes, on future trips that I'm on and I'm coaching, but also really, this is a takeaway that I can, can and, and, and want to apply to all elements of my life. And that is just like surrendering to the moment or the place that's bigger than me. And in the case of the boundary waters, it was just surrendering to, Hey, I planned on doing breathwork at 7am and it happened to be, that was the time when the bugs were out. So we're not going to do breathwork then we're just going to do something else. And it's like, okay, roll with that. Mm -hmm. Surrender to that moment. That is bigger than me. Mother nature said, you know, bring on the bugs. And so we just didn't do it. And we hung out in our, our bug net instead and had good conversation. It was just, it was something still special, but it was just different than what I had kind of programmed. And that mentality, I think, can be applied to so many aspects of my life. So that is a, a takeaway for me. I love that. So true. There's only so much we can plan. Mm-hmm. We have to just kind of go with the flow sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it feels better. I think that's also what makes freer. these trips special. It's like, yeah. When like that, the engine died on our towboat, it was just like, this is why we do this stuff. Like it's called adventure travel for a reason. Uh, if we knew how everything was going to go every second, it really wouldn't be that fun. Um, mm-hmm. So feeling those moments of like uncertainty or like the thunderstorm rolls in at two in the morning and I want to hop in your tent and pedal with you because I'm scared. <laughs> uh, those moments are like what make these trips so beautiful and so great is that you have that full range of human experience. And um, yeah, our lives are so planned and like little, we rarely give ourselves the opportunity to have like childlike joy or wonder or question or excitement. Um, and that's what you get when you spend time outside is this like ability to just explore uh, without, you know, mm-hmm. that voice in your head. Mm-hmm. And adapt. And adapt. Like I won't get into your tent and snuggle with you guys, even though I'm scared. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I have two questions for you, Anthony. First, who really are your trips for now that they've kind of experienced this whole thing with us. If they're maybe interested, yeah. who, who are your trips for? Yeah. I, so they're, they are for the people that have, um, I mean, to go deep with it for, for a moment, um, because you never for, do that. So, because I never do it. So <laughs> I'm going to keep this super light now. Um, I mean, they're for people that have are on the pursuit of, of happiness and success. And they've kind of checked a lot of boxes that, they thought would maybe lead them there or, or maybe others advise them that this is what they should do, or they've seen others doing this thing that they thought looks like success or like happiness. And along the way, they aren't necessarily feeling that fulfilled with their life. And maybe there's just something missing. And it is my belief that, that the way in which humans live today at times can be unfulfilling because the things that drive happiness and um, make this operating system inside our body and our mind tick today is very different than what made us tick for thousands of years. So that, of course, it may be, it, um, 
is where a recalibration is needed. And so it's for someone that is looking to get out from that modern environment, get out from the office and the four walls of their home or their office or their vehicle, um, or just the grind that is truthfully um, the stressors in, of modern life and living and breathing in, in an activated stress mode often. This is that opportunity to get out into nature and use that combination of three things, nature immersion, adventure, and mindfulness to recalibrate. So heavy on the mindfulness too, like people who are especially interested in breath work, meditation, like this is for you for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, totally. Yeah. I do think that the benefits are much clearer and, and I guess, um, absorbed more by the, the people that are open to the concept of mindfulness and meditation and breath work. And maybe that you don't need to have done a lot of that in your life, but go in with an open mind and open heart and let the recal coach guide you through that and maybe lean in to those things uh, to, yeah, to uh, align that. with Jackie's intention. Yeah. And actually, can I add something to that? Um, I would also encourage anyone considering to uh, go on a longer trip if you can, like, cause I know you have varying t- time lengths and it might actually take you a little longer to get into it, at least three days for sure. But I also think that if you, if it's scary, that's okay. And I would encourage you to lean in as well. Mm. So where can people find you, Anthony? So uh, you can find a bunch of information on Recal and, and me sprinkled in a little bit, but to keep it to, to the more interesting stuff in Recal, uh, recaltravel.com. <laughs> you can check out our Instagram, of course, Uh, This is one in a growth stage, but also one that's a little bit ironic to be focused on distracting people or filling their life with noise of social media when we're focused on mindfulness and natural elements, but we are starting starting to put some things out there. um, And that's just at, at recal travel. And then you can find me directly in case someone would have an interest in doing that at Anthony LaRubio are all of my handles. Anthony spelled the more common way. And then LaRubio spelled L-O-R-U-B-B-I-O. And then recal is R-E-C-A-L, just like recalibration. Mm-hmm. So That's right. Cool. And then Matt, what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, definitely check out Quiet Parks International. Uh, quietparks.org is the site. Um you can find quiet places near you anywhere you are in the world. Um, and if you can't find one, shoot me an email, Matt at quietparks.org, and I'll help you find one. Um, again, I love helping people find quiet and we can protect these places together. Um, also, I'm a somewhat, inter- I mean, maybe I'm biased, but I think I'm a pretty interesting follow on Instagram, <laughs> even though I don't have a ton of follows. It's like, you know, the life of a nature sound recordist is an odd one. Uh, so, and I don't take myself very seriously, which is always fun. I'm a little bit of a loose cannon, as Anthony and Jackie know very well after spending four days with me. Um, so yeah, that's just at Matthew Mickelson. Um, Mickelson is M as in Mary, I-K-K-E-L-S-E-N as in Nancy. Great. Thank you guys so much for your time and passion and sharing and all of this. And I'm excited to keep in touch with you both and see where all of this goes. And um, Anthony, I'm going to put you on the spot for a sec because I did not ask you if this was okay, but I would like to know if you would like to maybe just lead maybe Mm -hmm. like five minutes or something like that, or maybe not, maybe it's like one or two minutes. I don't really know how you do this, but 
Um, yeah. Just to kind of close us out and we'll just Perfect. allow anybody who isn't interested, you know, they can head out. Or if you want a few minutes of breath work to see what yeah. this is all about, maybe you can just um, do what you would do on your normal uh, YouTube recordings. Cause you do this, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah uh, I do. Um, yeah. I would love that. Happy okay. to be put on the spot with this. And maybe my breathwork cool. practice enabled me to be on the spot and be okay with it. Um, cool. That is what it's all about. Uh, what I think okay. is actually appropriate for this moment as people may be wrapping up the podcast and maybe you're about to be off doing something else. Um, I'll just do a, what I like to call a situational breathwork. Um, so it'll just be a quick little practice that just hits the reset button. Actually, this one that we'll do, I like to call the reset button. Um, I did come up with that name. Uh, so this isn't something that you can necessarily Google, but um, as opposed to what I do when I lead, for example, like Monday morning breathwork, which is a full on like half hour recording where I lead everybody through a full session of Wim Hof style activation breathwork. That's more of like a full mindfulness practice together, a full session. Well, what I'll lead us through right now is just, you know, one, two minutes um, of okay. a situational breathwork technique. So, okay, cool. Okay. So yeah, thank you guys for being here, for listening. And um, if you want to go ahead with this breathwork with Anthony, here we go. Yes. All righty. So hopefully um, at this moment, I would recommend that you do sit down. If you are standing or walking around, um, go ahead and, and stay seated. If you are driving, do not close your eyes. Um, that is a fair warning. Um, just go ahead and, and sit down, sit up straight, long spine, and you can relax your shoulders down to your sides hands either in your lap or just drape down to your sides and go ahead and take a deep breath in through your nose and just let that go. And when you do feel those shoulders soften downward, breathe in through your nose again, deeply in and audibly sigh that breath out. Now we'll begin a breathwork technique called the reset button. We will breathe in through our nose on a three count. We'll hold for just a one count. That's hitting the reset button. And then we're exhaling for a long eight. Because the exhale is longer than the inhale or the hold after the inhale, that means that we're down-regulating our nervous system. So we are kind of just resetting out of stressful mode or fight or flight and we are going more into rest and digest and socialize mode so as you're seated again go ahead and exhale any breath that you have out to begin and now breathe in through your nose two three hold exhale two three four five six seven eight in two three hold Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, hold. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more. In, two, three, hold. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
And now if your eyes are closed, you can go ahead and open them. Hopefully that feeling of the one second hold was like you hitting the reset button. And now you are ready for whatever is next in your day.